Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This time of year, I absolutely love the great flavor and blood sugar stabilizing benefits of Organifi Gold Pumpkin Spice Blend. This adaptogenic mix combines 4,000 years of Ayurvedic wisdom with the autumn taste you know and love. It has medicinal mushrooms, restorative herbs, and nostalgic spices that work in synergy to calm your nervous system replenish antioxidants, and curb nighttime cravings. Some of my favorite ingredients in this include organic turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, clove, lemon balm, turkey tail, and reishi mushrooms. These clinically studied organic ingredients have been shown to help promote calmness and relaxation. They support good digestion. They stabilize your blood sugar. They stop cravings, and they promote restful sleep. It's also flavored with monk fruit, which is an all-natural sweetening agent that does not impact your blood sugar, and it's very low-carb and keto-friendly. It's also certified organic, glyphosate residue-free, dairy and soy-free, and vegan. The Organifi Gold's Pumpkin Spice Mix is a limited-edition autumn favorite, but you can also subscribe to get this product all year round if you like. Simply go to Organifi.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers at checkout to receive 20% off your order. That's O R G A N I F I dot com backslash jockers to receive 20% off your order today. You guys are going to love this mix. I basically take a scoop and I put it in coconut milk, and you can have it either cold or warm, depending on what you're looking for. It tastes amazing. It's got all these herbs, really helps relax you, calm you, helps reduces nighttime cravings. I always have this in the evening right after dinner to help kind of relax my stomach, improve my digestion, stabilize my blood sugar, and take away any sort of cravings and help promote restful sleep. And you can try it too. Again, go to Organifi.com forward slash jockers. Use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 20% today. How would you like to win a 90-day supply of Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex? Turmeric is one of the best supplements you can take to keep inflammation under control to support your brain, your gut, and your skin, and really keep you healthy and strong and feeling great. 
And you can win a 90-day supply now by going to ratemypodcast.com forward slash jockers. Leave a review for our podcast and then send a screenshot or a confirmation of the review to assistance at drjockers.com. Winners will be announced and contacted on November 30th and will receive a 90-day supply of the Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex. So that just may be you. On top of that, when you leave a review, you help us reach more people and impact more lives. So thanks so much for doing that. And I'm pulling for you, hoping that you will be the one that wins the 90-day supply of Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex. So again, simply go to ratemypodcast.com forward slash jockers leave a review, and then send a screenshot or confirmation of the review to assistance at drjockers.com to be entered to win. Hey, friends, this podcast is actually an interview that I did a few years ago for a project I worked on called the Keto Edge Summit. The Keto Edge Summit was basically where I interviewed, I think it was like 36, 40 of the top keto experts in the world. We talked about all things keto. We talked about how to get the best results out of the diet. We talked about biohacking strategies to do to help improve your digestive system, to help improve your brain health, your energy, and really get the most out of life. And so this interview is with one of my good friends who is an expert in many different areas. And you'll see as we, as we dive into this topic just uh, just how deep we go and the quality of the content that you get. And so just a reminder, this is uh, roughly, you know, this is, I think I did these interviews in like 2017, 2018, so a few years old, but uh, the content is just as relevant and uh, I know that it will make a difference in your life. So you will enjoy this content. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a rating or review, your reviews really, really count. They mean the world to us and they help us get seen by more people. So if you just go to your Apple iTunes player and uh, rate us and leave a review, that will really help us uh, just be able to help more people and get this information out to the masses. Thank you for doing that and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to the Keto Edge Summit, where we are dispelling the myths, helping you overcome the hurdles, and empowering you to improve your brain and your body through the ketogenic lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. David Jockers, and I'm with one of the pioneers in the ketogenic journey, somebody that I've read his books, and he's been a huge influence on so many people in getting this message of the ketogenic lifestyle out to people this is my good friend, Jimmy Moore. Hey, man. And uh, we're actually hanging out at his in the cave, man as I call cave it. <laughs> right here. And um, so for those of you guys that are have, have some knowledge of Jimmy, this is right upstairs is where he does his podcasts. That's, That's right. And um, podcasts I personally listen to, like Keto Talks that you do with Dr. Will Cole, who's also a guest in this uh, this online summit. Um, you also do what, Live in La Vida, Low Carb. Yeah, that's my flagship. Right? That's the exactly. longest running health podcast on the internet. And when did you start that? 2006. It just wow. seems so long ago. It was like, yeah, I'm a grandpa <laughs> exactly. in this industry. Um, but yeah, 1,350 plus episodes and counting. That one's not ever going anywhere. If 13, all the others go away, that one will stay. Exactly. <laughs> 1,350 episodes. So now over 11 years over... Uh, yeah. That you've been doing that, so amazing. I mean, 2006, I hadn't even heard of podcasts. What they what <laughs> well, they nobody was really doing it in the health realm. Yes, there was no Rob Wolf, mm -hmm. there was no Sean Croxton, right. there was no, none of the people that you associate with having done this yeah. a long time 
So uh, yeah, truly the grandpa. But I got good at it when nobody was listening. Yes. So that now people listen. <laughs> oh wow, he's so polished. Yeah, because I did it for a long time and nobody was listening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so Jimmy's also written some phenomenal books. We've got the cholesterol clarity, and our topic today is really keto cholesterol clarity. We're going to dive into that topic because that's a common question people have with the ketogenic diet. And he's written a great book here. Um, also the ketogenic cookbook, some awesome recipes in there. We've got the complete guide to fasting. I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting. We're going to discuss that a little bit today and uh, keto clarity. So this is a outstanding book to really help you understand more about ketogenic diet how to make it work. And you wrote this with Dr. Eric Westman. Yeah. So you are not a doctor or a no. healthcare practitioner. Don't play one on TV or the <laughs> radio right. either. You're really a layperson, just like, you know, most of society who... I try to be as layperson as it can be. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> share all the good, the bad, the ugly of That's being right. a layperson. That's yeah. right. And, and your story is you struggled with weight loss resistance and had tried a whole lot of different programs to lose weight because you were 410 pounds. Yeah. And then you came across the Atkins diet, which, you know, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And uh, you end up losing 180 pounds. Yep, 2004. Right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, 20 inches on your waist. Right. And so tell our audience, you know, more about just how that happened. Yeah, so I was 32 years mm -hmm. old and a lot of people are like, what's the epiphany moment that made you want to change? Because I was a carb addict and a half. I mean, a normal day would include, and I always get gassed when I give talks in audiences, I always get gassed when I tell them how many Cokes I ate, I drank yeah. in a day. 16 cans, gasp, cans. of Coca-Cola a day. Now I know that one can of Coke has 45 grams of mostly high fructose corn syrup. Yep. 45 times 16. Alexa. Oh, she's dead. Hey, Jibo. <laughs> What is 45 times 16? 45 times 16 is 720. 720 wow. grams of sugar. That's 3,000 calories just right there. Just sugar. From Coca-Cola. Now that doesn't count the two boxes. You love my, my robot. I love it, yeah. Uh, two whole boxes of like Little Debbie snack cakes. I'd take those Swiss Two Miss rolls boxes. or the oatmeal cakes and throw them like in the freezer for about 15 minutes, give them really hard. And I would sit there and watch television, stuffing my mouth with those things. I didn't think anything about it. I didn't care about what I was eating because yeah. I didn't, in my mind, have a concept of, oh, this is harming me. And people are always kind of, really, dude, you thought that was healthy? No, I didn't think it was healthy, but it was normal for me because I grew up in a culture where that was normal right. eating. My dad used to take my brother Kevin, who's since deceased, and my younger brother Nathan and I to a pizza joint. Mm -hmm. We'd all get a big gigantic pizza of our own and we'd have a contest to see who could eat the most. Yeah. And so when you grow up in that kind of culture and then you go out on your own, everybody's like, oh, you should start eating alfalfa sprouts and know how to eat properly. And I'm like, no, you you know what you know. Yeah. And what I knew was crappy garbage. Yeah. I just didn't know that garbage was going to cause damage, that I had some genetic stuff early on. My mom had me via C-section, so I mm -hmm. never got the gut bacteria. That's right. Um, yeah. From the vaginal birth. And so, I mean, there's so many factors involved that make me where I am today, mm -hmm. that I think where I am today is a whole lot better off than yeah. had I 
kept going down that path of crappy garbage. Oh, for sure. And you, you at at your highest, you're 410 pounds, yeah, right? Yeah. And so where? But did worse it... than that. Yeah. On three prescription medications, yes. I was on mm-hmm. high blood pressure medication, high cholesterol. Um, I had respiratory issues. I was wheezing, so I had the Advair, and I was sucking that into my lungs. Mm-hmm. And so I had all these medications. And so when I lost the 180 in 2004. More than anything, I lost all those yeah. drugs, and I've never picked up another drug right. again. Um, and I, I think that, more than anything, is what I'm most proud of. Everybody likes to focus on weight loss, but I love the health gains exactly. so much more. Absolutely. And where, when, what was the turning point? What, what finally— The epiphany moment. Exactly. Where so you I was like, getting you know there a while ago with the story. I don't want to live like this anymore. <laughs> so uh, it was in the fall of 2003. Mm-hmm. I had a series of events. I was a public school teacher here locally uh, substituting, and I was writing the lesson on the board. It was a sixth-grade English class. And I remember in the back of the room right there, I can still hear that boy's voice. Man, Mr. Moore's really fat. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yes, kid. Said the pudgy little sixth grader, by right. the way. Um, and of course, I turn around. The whole class is laughing their head off. And I start laughing to keep from crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. And thank you for stating the obvious. Uh, but what to do? That was always the question. Yep. And then I was at uh, my church is like a mile from here. And we had like a fall festival. And they had a rock wall. And... I saw all these kids and adults going up and down like Spider-Man. I'm like, I can do that. I was having a cognitive dis- dissonance of yeah. where I really was at right. that point. I didn't know. Yep. I thought it was maybe 3.30 and it ended up being 4.10. So in that state of mind, when I try to do the rock climbing, oh, I can't do it. And I'm yep. going, what is going on here? And so it wasn't until my mother-in-law, God bless her, gave me a diet book for Christmas. That's a laugh moment because <laughs> mom-in-laws are notorious for like, you know, you need to lose weight so you can take right. care of my daughter. And, and she was no different. Um, and so it was Dr. Atkins' book, though. Yep. And I read that book from cover to cover between Christmas and New Year's of 2003. And I went, this guy is whacked out of his mind. Eat less carbs? How am I going to have any energy at all? Eat more fat? He's a cardiologist, Dr. Atkins. And He's telling people to eat the very thing we all know clogs arteries yeah. and will give you heart disease. But I thought, you know what? I had done so many low-fat diets over the years that I was miserable on. I never felt that that was some some way I could eat for the rest of my life. In fact, 1999 was when my brother Kevin had a series of heart attacks mm. in a span of one week. He had three heart attacks that nearly killed him and uh, eventually did kill him at the age of 41. But he was... 32 when that happened, and that was in 99, I went on basically a no-fat diet. I willed myself to not eat fat for about 10 months, lost, you know, significant Mm -hmm. amount of weight, but I was miserable, I was angry, and of course, I binged uh, and gained it all back within a few Mm -hmm. months, and in my mind at that point, it was such a dangerous position for me at that point, in my mind, I thought, if that's how I have to eat for the rest of my life, I'd rather be fat and happy yeah. Then to have to eat that way and be miserable. And I hear that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so there's no way, had I not found Atkins, which then turned to kind of a paleo real food yeah. approach, which then turned to keto and, mm-hmm. and periods of intermittent fasting and extended fasting, had I not found that, yeah. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. I'm 
fully, I, I have no doubt in my mind, I would not be sitting here talking to yeah. you here today. Yeah, because you were 32, 410 yeah. pounds on three medications. Yes. Yeah. And how old are you now? I'm 40, I'm about turning 46. Yeah, so you're 46, you're significantly healthier yeah. than you were at 32. Still have yeah. extra weight mm-hmm. and, and I don't hide that. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, yeah, come, come live in this body. You'll see what it's like. It's not easy. Yeah. It doesn't mean the diet and the program I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. It means there's some underlying source of inflammation, some underlying unresolved issue there yeah. that I'm constantly, that's why I keep interviewing people. Right. I'm trying to find answers for me. And that's the secret to my success is people are like, oh, I love your podcast and you interview so many people. I'm like, I do it for me. Yeah. And if in the process of doing it for me, you get something out of it, great. But I do it for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you're learning and you're a student of right. this. And really, ultimately, I mean, as a doctor, I have a clinic and we call it a practice. Because even though I'm working with people and I'm considered the expert, I'm still I'm still learning. You know, I'm still going through that process. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so you started with the Atkins diet, got great results. Yep. Okay. And, you know, many people are familiar with the Atkins diet. Can you talk about the differences between an Atkins diet and the way it was originally taught and the ketogenic diet? Well, here's the interesting thing. When it was originally taught, when he came up with it in the early 70s, I wasn't, or I was just being born at the time, um, it was closer to a ketogenic approach because his approach at the time was 20 grams total carbs that eventually turned into net carbs in the newer version, in the 90s version, um, and then the the 2008-ish version, whatever it was, that the new Atkins for New You came out mm-hmm. after he died. Um, they even made it even more. And so it's like, oh. Uh, but the original was 20 grams total carbs and then you know, putting the focus more on the fat for satiety yeah. and, and keeping the protein not too much. Then it morphed into, well, just have all the fat and protein you want. And right. in Dr. Atkins's mind, he thought, okay, people will gravitate to the fat because it tastes better. But what he forgot was the 1980s brought on the fat phobia. Right. So when people heard low carb, they thought, well, if low carb is good, low carb, low fat must be better. And so they cut the fat, they ate more protein, and they didn't get the results they wanted. Yeah. And they were hungry and they were craving and they couldn't figure out why. So the big difference is you got to eat more fat yes. on a ketogenic diet. And it's not that Dr. Atkins didn't have that in his plan. You could do an Atkins version mm-hmm. that would be keto, but it wasn't explicit like yeah. keto. Keto and keto clarity, mm-hmm. we tell you um, fat is essential to your satiety. Yeah, when you replace so the carbs with fat, that's your new energy source. Yes. So you have to replace it with the fat. Um, and then the protein can be detrimental in excess. Oh, yep. isn't protein essential? Yes, it is, but not to the degree that we're right. eating it. You know, chicken breast with broccoli isn't a ketogenic meal. <laughs> Definitely not. It's a low-carb mm-hmm. meal, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe if you put a little butter on top of the chicken breast, but even still, that's a big bolus yes. of protein all at one sitting. <clears throat> you know, you're, you're looking at like, for example, I'll give hard numbers for me. I'll eat about 25 to 30 grams of total carbohydrates in mm-hmm. a day pretty darn low. Yeah. Most people can get away with 50 or less and be ketogenic. So that's total. That's including fiber. Total. Wow. And and I, I've changed my mm-hmm. position on this. I used to be a big net carb person mm-hmm. and I've actually found out where the net carb nonsense came from. It actually is a fellow low carb uh, guru um, who wrote Protein Power, Dr. Michael Eads, actually came up with that concept mm. when he was writing his books. He wanted to give 
dieters more flexibility. So he said, oh, just subtract the fiber and get the net effective carbs. Well, what happened was all these companies saw, oh, we can subtract. So they subtracted fiber, they subtracted sugar alcohols, and then you got this whole nonsense of, of bars and shakes and yeah. all this stuff that, oh, two net effective carbs. And the Atkins company is the worst at yeah. that. I mean, they put, I mean, since he's no longer around, there's no, nobody's keeping them accountable. Right. I am, but <laughs> nobody yes. on their team is keeping them accountable. So yeah, you got to count total. And mm -hmm. it's not that the fiber is necessarily a bad thing. I want you to eat the fiber, but I think you play um, numbers games when you start trying to subtract. So I say total carbs, so 25, 30 grams of total carbs. Obviously, some days it's a little more than that, especially if it's from green leafy vegetables. Yeah. I don't worry about that. Right. It's from an avocado. I don't mm -hmm. worry about that. It yeah. just keeps me mm -hmm. honest about my yeah. carb tolerance. So then protein is somewhere around 80 grams. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm flipping that tire in my backyard back there, uh, I might bump it up to maybe 95, 100 grams mm -hmm. that day. Uh, just to get a little more glucose in the right. system. Um, and I don't mind that. I think that's uh, that's a good way to do it. And then the rest is fat to satiety. Yeah. Uh, and not just any old fat. I pick you know preferential fats as MCT oil yes. and butter and coconut mm -hmm. oil and lard and avocado oil and macadamia nut oil. These are all the healthy yeah. oils that are out there. Stay away from the vegetable oils. Right. They may have that obnoxious... <laughs> American Heart Association heart health symbol yeah. on it. That's your that's your cue to avoid that product yeah. when you see that because they <laughs> they buy into the low saturated fat, Correct. Um, high carb diets yep. that are just making us worse and worse yeah. in our health. Yeah, and that, I mean you and I are similar in that. It's like, hey, I tell people you want to get about fifty percent of your fats from saturated fat. You yeah. want healthy saturated fat because they're so stable, right, inside the cell. Your body, yeah, is about. Half 50% 50, uh, 50 saturated fat and the other 50% uh, kind of a mix of mono and saturated, the right. omega fats and all that. So you want to mimic what your exactly. body uses as fuel. Yeah. And people don't think about that, that the vegetable oils, your body sees it as a foreign yes. object. So if you're cooking in canola oil, which is like the, the worst, the, I mean, everybody and their mama thinks canola oil hung the moon. Right. Or, or, um, corn oil or any of these other, Mazzola, I mean, all of these people are just like, oh, wow, they're heart healthy. They're heart healthy in people's minds because they're lower in cholesterol and they do one really good thing on your cholesterol panel. They actually will lower the LDLC. Yeah. But what it does is it, it eliminates all the healthy LDL, which we can talk about that yes. in a minute. It eliminates the healthy LDL and leaves behind the unhealthy. And then it gives a little bonus. It oxidizes or rusts Yes. That LDL that it does leave behind, which increases this thing called inflammation, which is at the root of all disease. Yep. And that's really where I want to get into next, too. So oh, perfect. Segue. You're so segue. You're, you're great with this, right? <laughs> As I'm watching the chickens yes. run around Hi, back chickens. there, by the way, he's got his chickens <laughs> and eggs, right? Which were, of course, vilified yes. because eggs raise your cholesterol yes. or have cholesterol. Um, which we know now is one of the healthiest foods we can put in our body. It's about the yep. perfect keto food. It's got the really exact is. amount ratio <laughs> of fat to protein yes. to carbohydrate that literally if that's all you ate. And at one point about, maybe about eight years ago, I created this program, those 30 days yeah. called an egg fest. Huh. And I just ate eggs cooked in butter, yeah. maybe a little cheese on it. And that's all I had for 30 days yep. straight. Yep. And people were just like, 
oh my gosh, this Kickstarter. And this is before I was mm-hmm. really into the keto. Yeah. But it was a precursor to show this is what keto can feel like. Yes. So if you love eggs and you're not, uh, you know, allergic to them in any way, uh, I now am. Okay. I have a little bit yeah, of, a, of a, an allergy to it, and sensitivity yeah. to it. So <laughs> I have to like stay, not eat them so much. Yes. But if you don't have that issue, give that a go. And you want to yeah. try this kind of keto and want to kickstart it. Obviously, eventually you want to add back in green leafy vegetables. Right. But to kind of kickstart you, let you feel what it's like. An egg fest is the way to go. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of do that. Just really low carb, high fat. You know, because if you were eating eggs, especially with butter, yes. that's going to be like 80 to 90% fat. That's right. Exactly. Right? Small amount of protein. Almost a fat you know? fast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as Atkins described. Very similar. Yeah. You got it. And so you've got this book, Course of Cholesterol Clarity. And of yes. course, when people go on a ketogenic diet, which as a clinician, I work with people and, and put them on that. And oftentimes they'll see that their total cholesterol goes up yep. and they get concerned about that. And a I lot have of people, a word for that. So yeah, what? Right. What does it mean? Exactly. It only means something because our entire lives we've been told it means something. But at the end of the day, cholesterol, total cholesterol, is a conglomeration of various numbers. So let's look at those numbers. HDL. That's the good cholesterol, right? right? Don't you want that higher? Yeah. And wouldn't wouldn't that result in higher total cholesterol? Exactly. So why are we mad about cholesterol being higher yeah. If your HDL, which is higher, is a good thing, yep. is it makes it higher. That don't make sense. Um, VLDL, which is kind of a, a, a surrogate marker for your triglycerides. Yeah. Take your triglycerides, divide it by five, that's your VLDL. That truly is a bad number. Yeah. And usually, both, though, that even, you know, with really high, you're talking 15, 20 at the worst, you know, it's yep. not really going to be high. LDL is where everybody looks. But here's the dirty little secret about LDL. Nobody talks about. It's yeah. estimated. It's calculated with this Friedewald equation. I, I would love to go punch this Friedewald guy in the face because it's stupid that we look at an estimated calculated number and then we prescribe medications for said number right. that's based on this estimation. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. And so they don't measure. They could, but they don't you know, measure LDL directly on that LDLC. So it's why I'm a big fan of doing more advanced testing. Yes. So we got various ones out there, the VAP test, which I'm not really a fan of, but it's a particle size mm-hmm. test. But the uh, NMR lipoprofile yep. Yep. test, which is up in North Carolina, uh, north of us here, Liposciences, and I think they do a fabulous job of looking at the total number of LDL yep. particles, what the size of the particles which makes a big is, difference. and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. When you go keto, that small LDL particles, yes. they, they go down. Yep. And the vegetable oils, that's what we were talking about a while mm-hmm. ago. When you eat the vegetable oils, it's eliminating all the kind of large, fluffy, buoyant yes. ones that are pretty much benign in heart health, and at least behind those really right. bad ones. And and those it's those bad ones that penetrate the arterial wall exactly. and lead to inflammation, lead to heart attacks and, and death. So Yeah. And so for the viewers, there's a type of cholesterol pattern. It's called pattern A. Yep. And pattern A is these large, buoyant particles. And the benefit of that is they're rich in fat-soluble antioxidants. In fact, one of their main responsibilities is bringing things like vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin yes. D, vitamin K, these fat-soluble nutrients to the cell membrane so we can have stronger, healthier cells so our body can repair. So vitally important, yet they're lumped right into the same category yes. when we just look at overall LDL as the pattern B, which are the small dense that you were referring to. And the That's small right. dense don't have the fat-soluble antioxidants. 
And so the actual particles themselves, just LDL, it's trying to do a job. It's like a truck dry, dry, trying to bring cargo somewhere. And so if Carrier. we were to just count yep. the amount of trucks and say, well, there's 100 trucks out here, right. you know what I mean? As opposed to looking at what trucks actually are carrying precious cargo, you know what I mean? And right. put a value on it, we're really missing the big picture. And so that's what we've got to get back to is understanding these particle sizes. And we got to understand why would the body increase LDL? I think right. that's a key question too, right? right? Is actually, actually asking that question. And, and I have asked that question when I was writing Cholesterol Clarity. Um, I've always mm. had elevated cholesterol. Yes. Always, my whole life. Yep. It's been well over 200, probably 250-ish when I was younger. It got over 300, even close to 400 mm. as I got older. And I kept asking around, what's going on? And it would, no doctor. Yeah. could ever tell me why my cholesterol was up. They were just like, you have a statin deficiency. Please start right. taking this statin. And I dutifully, before I went keto, uh, low carb, I dutifully took Lipitor, yeah. which just made my joints ache. I remember playing a pickup game of basketball at my church down the road, going up for a rebound, and this thumb went straight backwards. Mm. And the, just the ligaments in there and the joint just got so weak that, and I go to the ER and he's like, you're taking a statin, aren't you? And what? <laughs> and so that was the first time it was on my radar screen that, wow, these things are doing real damage to me. Um, and so, yeah, pe people won't get the truth from their doctor. I had to go to a dentist. <laughs> really? And the dentist is like, dude, you've got a lot of inflammation because I had root canals yeah, that had been done. Exactly. You have underlying inflammation where these places have gotten infected. Yep. Let's clean those up. So I go to a holistic dentist over in uh, mm -hmm. the neighboring town. Yep. It cost me an arm and a leg to get it all fixed, but I get all that fixed, and within one year, my total cholesterol dropped by a hundred points. Yeah. Yep. Now, what would my medical doctor do? Take a statin drug? Would it have fixed the inflammation? Maybe a Band-Aid fix, because we do know that statins—that's the way they work. They do right. lower mm -hmm. inflammation, but there's better ways to lower inflammation yeah. with less side effects. Ketogenic diet, for example. Absolutely. And so, dropped a hundred points just from getting that fixed. I got the mercury amalgams taken out as well, put the safer material as little things like that. Yeah. You know, and if you have a thyroid issue that's out of whack, yeah. that's going to mess with yeah. your total Absolutely. cholesterol. So I think we've put in, we've put cholesterol in a box and said, yeah. if it's this, then this, if it's right. over 200, then you have a statin deficiency and you need to take a statin rather than why is it higher? What is it doing? Yes. And one of the analogies I, I think is just a great way to think about cholesterol is in relationship to inflammation is let's imagine my neighbor's house over there is on fire. That's inflammation. Right. And let's imagine the firefighters who are just down the road come to the scene of the fire. They're the cholesterol. Yep. So the cholesterol is putting out the exactly. fire of inflammation. Yep. But what happens when we take a statin drug? We, we shut down that fire station, then exactly. this fire station over here, we shut them down too. And then there's not a fire station anywhere close to here that if my yeah. neighbor's house gets on fire, it's gonna burn to the ground. Well, guess what? That's exactly what inflammation will do to yes. you. If you have low cholesterol, mm -hmm. trust me, I'd rather have high cholesterol yeah, at this absolutely. point, <clears throat> lots of firefighters to put yeah. out the fire than to watch my neighbor's house burn down 
And in this case with inflammation, watch you have a heart attack, watch you have some kind of a cardiovascular event because you didn't have the cholesterol to protect you. Yeah, it's so important. And even the Framingham Heart Study has shown that 40% of people who have heart attacks have cholesterol lower than 200. There was a study we put in Cholesterol yeah. Clarity that they mm -hmm. actually looked at one hospital and it was like thousands of entries of people that came in with some kind of a cardiovascular yeah. event and over half of them had cholesterol under 200 milligrams so, per deciliter. And so if you go into your your general physician or cardiologist and your cholesterol is over in 200, they're giving you high fives, they're telling you your cholesterol is awesome, everything yeah. looks great. Yeah. yeah, what we're saying is, I mean, there's not much difference between somebody with a higher cholesterol, total cholesterol, and somebody with a lower cholesterol when it comes to risk for cardiovascular disease. And so that's that's Which the issue leads there. to the question, why are mm. we looking at cholesterol yeah. if those statistics hold true? And actually, that's the exact same statistics if you flipped a coin to see if you're going to have heart disease or not. Exactly. Exactly the same. And yet we put all this stock in cholesterol. You ask most people, what's your cholesterol? They know a number. Yeah. They've got their number and you ask them what their triglycerides are. Oh, 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 oh. They don't even know. But yeah. they know their total cholesterol right. because they've been told to care. I wish we could have people know their triglycerides, know their fasting insulin yes. levels, know their blood sugar yes. levels, know HSCRP, mm -hmm. which is yep. a key inflammation marker, know those things. Yep. And you're going to know so much more about your health than that total cholesterol and, will ever And let's, go. that's great. And let's talk about that because there's this, this term, the terrible triad, okay, that we use. And so like, if somebody were to look at their lipid profile, they just got a standard lipid profile, what would a bad lipid profile look like or something that's showing, hey, you've got chronic inflammation in your body? Just a standard lipid panel? Yeah, just standard lipid profile. Well, panel. I would think the first thing that would jump off the page is if you have a triglyceride level well over 200. Yeah. I mean, the range on there is zero to 150. Well, right. guess what, guys? That's not the right range. Yeah. The right range is under 100. Right. And the optimal range is under 70. Yeah. So number one, we can talk about ranges. Mm -hmm. Ranges, and keep in mind, ranges are of sick people. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a range of this is what sick people are. Yeah. I want to be in optimal show zone. me the healthy yeah. people, uh, as Dr. Cole would say, the yeah. functional range yeah. of these health markers. So I always tell people, I can tell if you're cheating on your ketogenic diet, if your triglycerides yes. are over 100. Yep. And if they're over 100 and you don't think you're cheating, I want to watch you because there's yep. something going on that's making it go over 100. So that's a key marker that if it's over 200, definitely over 300. My wife, Christine, oh, yeah. had 300 back wow. in her carb eating days. She used to have Skittles and M&Ms and Dr. Yeah. Pepper and didn't think anything about it. Drive it up. And then we had it run. It was like 294. I'm like, yeah. honey, you know what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we put her on a low, just low carb at mm -hmm. that time. And within six weeks, it went from almost 300 down to 130. Yeah. Nowadays, it's in the 50s. And so she's yeah. rocking it. So that's one. Uh, HDL, if you're below 30, yeah. you're hurting for really certain. Low. You need that HDL yeah. cholesterol definitely over 50. Yes. And I would say optimally over 70. And you women, you're going to love this. You women are going to have an easier time mm -hmm. having the higher, uh, higher HDL cholesterol. I don't know why that is. Why do women have higher HDL? Is it something about their makeup you know, that makes them have higher? It, it's a great question. I think that ultimately um, hormones play a big role in it. Yeah. And obviously insulin sensitivity plays a big role in it. And so 
I'm not exactly sure. I haven't even noticed that, that women have a higher oh, yeah. number. They send me their but, numbers yeah. all the time, and I'm going, 120 HDL. You know, yeah. highest I've gotten is like 75. <laughs> right, right. Now, one thing from a functional perspective, if yeah. I see HDL up like over 90, 100, yeah. I'm actually thinking possible infection. Mm. Oftentimes, a viral infection or something like that can drive it up yes. real high. I usually look in that range like 50 to 90. Needs to be over 50 for sure. Okay, or you're or you're functionally deficient. Okay, right. and maybe at top point ninety. Otherwise, I'm I'm considering other issues. Would that show up in other markers? Let's say, for example, would it show up in triglycerides? Would it show up? It can in HSCRP it or definitely could can. you miss it? Yeah. So high sensitive high sensitivity C reactive protein is a marker of inflammation. Sometimes we'll see that high. And with obviously the high with the high HDL, or sometimes I'll see a shift in their white blood cells uh, where lymphocytes yeah. are real high, neutrophils are low, and that's a sign oftentimes of a viral infection or sometimes eosinophil is real high. Mm-hmm. So they might have an allergy to something that they're being exposed to, which can drive it up, or um, parasite, right? So sometimes those things can, can take place. Back to the gut but health. it's a case-by-case <laughs> basis. Yes. And it's a, this is a, the personalized approach rather right. than just saying, oh, your HDL is high, you have this. Right. You know what I mean? Or and your LDL is high. Thing. It could be it's, just it, fine. It's it just could be totally occurring. fine for that person. Right. Exactly. That's why, yep. again, practicing. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's right. Yep. We start to see all of these different yeah. types of patterns. Yep. And so like we, what you were talking about there, okay, triglyceride. One thing I look at is the triglyceride to HDL ratio, which should always be under two. And more closer to one. I keep one. it under one pretty Exactly. Yeah. And that's really what a ketogenic approach will do. It will do it. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> every time it's tried. Yes. If you're doing keto and your HDL to triglyceride ratio, ratio isn't under one, there's something else going on. Yeah. It should, without a doubt. And of course, we're talking about when someone's weight stable as well. Because yep. as you're losing weight, you may have a temporary elevation in the triglyceride, but at some point it will drop like a rock. Yes, absolutely. And that's a huge sign that your body's getting healthier, less inflammation. Right. So then what should like the LDL to HDL ratio, when you look at that, what should that, that typically range? So I know Mm -hmm. doctors like that one and they also like, what's the the total to HDL ratio as well. I think those are archaic. Mm -hmm. I I don't think they give you as much information because again, the LDL we're talking about is LDLC. Yeah. Right. So again, Total. you're getting that calculated version. So I'm not a fan of yeah. those because I don't think they give you any useful information. Right. Triglyceride to HDL ratio, and then having uh, the LDLP number, yeah. which I know <laughs> the liposcience people say try to keep under a thousand, but we really don't know yeah. what that means. Mine's been as high as 3,500. Right. But then the small is under 500 of that. And that's the more important thing. And, right. and really, when we look at, so, you know, you definitely can get an NMR, right? Um, and it's not very expensive. Okay? No, a couple hundred bucks. Couple you can actually bucks. do it. There's a lot of online, like if you don't want to go see yeah. a doctor, I'm so frustrated yeah. with my doctor. He's like a mile down the road. <laughs> I had to fire him. You can him. order it online. You yeah. can order it online right. uh, through uh, any lab test now. I use this one called Private MD Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. com and so I mean there's so many places you can do it. Check your state because yep. not all states allow these things. But yep. uh, here in South Carolina, they allow it, and Jimmy Moore yep. takes advantage of it yeah. um, because it's you just have to know where you stand. Right, and that and that's an important number. If for some reason you're not able to get it, or you just haven't gotten it yet, but you did get a, a lipid profile, just basically just standard lipid test. Yeah, you can just look at that triglyceride HDL ratio. Yeah. 
And off of that, if you are close to one, we can pretty much extrapolate and say you're in that pattern, pattern A, a. large, yeah. buoyant, That's right. very protective That's molecules. Right. Because again, the LDL is not the problem, it's oxidative stress. Yes. And if the LDL doesn't have this antioxidant protection, it's very vulnerable to that oxidative stress. Yep. And so if that tri those triglycerides are really high, like you talked about, mm -hmm. now we're gonna have those small, dense LDL particles that don't have the antioxidant protection. And because of their size, they can slip into the endothelial wall and just kind of get stuck there and just beat up by, ox by inflammation in yes. the body and create plaque. And so, so here's kind mm -hmm. of a, a poor man's way to kind of see where you stand. Yeah. Get a standard lipid panel, dirt cheap. Everybody exactly. can run that 30 bucks yep. out of pocket. Uh, get an HSCRP, which yes. is about 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Get a fasting insulin, which is probably another 70-ish yep. yep. bucks. And mm -hmm. if you want to splurge instead of that first one and get an NMR instead, if you did just those things, you would know so much more about your state of health yes. than most doctors would even know just looking at you. Exactly. And so let's go into fasting insulin. Okay. What, yes. what's kind of, what do you look at when you're looking at fasting insulin? Where do you want your levels to be? It depends on who you ask too, because yeah. there's a lot mm -hmm. of uh, disagreement again in the mm -hmm. mainstream. Oh, anywhere between zero and 20 is great. And it's like, no. <laughs> um, so my goal is definitely in the single digits Yes. and as close to five or below mm -hmm. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm struggling with that a little bit yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. Just quite honestly, that's one area that despite eating keto, I'm still having yeah. a, a, you know, 12 yeah. insulin, yeah. which makes me so mad. Yes. <laughs> it's like I'm doing all the right things, but I know it just means something else is going Something's on in the body on. that I have to figure out. And so that's a key in all this too. Mm. Maybe you're watching this and you're going, oh yeah, I've been frustrated and I'm just thinking of giving in the towel. No, that is not an option. Yep. Just keep engaged in your own health. And if there's one thing I'll do to my dying breath is tell people you've got to be your own best health advocate, yes. even if you're struggling, you know, and I've tried to do that sharing my story of, oh, I still have weight. And so yep. I get criticism for that, but I also think it's real. I think it's yeah. real to share what it takes to come out of that. And so, um, so yeah, people need to be focused on the the things that matter. And fasting insulin is a big one. So uh, definitely under uh, five would be what my yeah. goal would be. Yeah. Is that what you have? Yeah, that's, and that's exactly what we look at. Under five, we're trying to get it around three. Yeah. You know, that two to three range is but like not super too low, optimal. Because if it goes too low, not then too you low. might have type one diabetes issues True. going on where you're not making any insulin True. at all. Exactly. Not that eating ketogenic will lead yeah. to that. <clears throat> but if you start going, oh, wow, I'm down to one. We need to look at that. Yes, so exactly. keeping it reasonable, that kind of three to five mm -hmm. range is probably a good. To yeah, shoot we, for. you know, insulin, I mean, it's just all the hormones that the body produces are necessary for key things. And we know insulin is necessary for some level of T4 to T3 conversion. Yes. We don't need a lot, but we need a little bit in there That's or right. our thyroid is going to tank. So, yep. you know, if you're looking at the, at the lab and, you know, you do a fasting, so you haven't eaten, you, you may have drank some water, but you haven't eaten in the morning usually like 12 hours or so, um, get your blood work done and your insulin level's at two. That's a great level. That's a really good level. Now, yes. what's so great about your case too is that when we look at like the bell curve of body types, you know, you've got the people that can't put any weight on that are kind of this extreme. Then you've got people we over hate here. those people, by the way. <laughs> then you've got the people <laughs> over here on this far end yes. that, 
can exercise all day, yes. can follow every you know routine that's that's follow a ketogenic lifestyle and still struggle with that. And you're in that camp, okay? And this open your eyes to intermittent fasting and doing that's fasting right. as well. Even longer right? fasting, yes. Exactly. Let's talk about that, how that's impacted everything. Yeah, so intermittent <clears throat> fasting was pretty easy. Although mm-hmm. when I first heard of intermittent fasting, way back in 2008, a couple of years after doing Atkins and being successful, I thought intermittent fasting, who would do that? It just it was such a foreign concept to me, especially coming so you know close from that 16 cans of Coca-Cola, whole boxes of Little Debbie snack cakes and fast food every day. Um, but the longer that I've done this, and especially when I went keto, I just found I would forget to eat. Mm-hmm. And so, and people are like, well, intermittent fasting, that seems so hard. I'm like, think of it this way. Your last meal of the day is at six o'clock at night. Let's just imagine that. You wake up the next morning and you don't eat breakfast. Yeah. You'll be fine. You're not gonna be hungry. Yeah. Once you get going with this, you're not going to be hungry. Don't eat breakfast. Then eat around noon. Guess what? You just intermittent fasted for 18 hours. And the benefits that come from just that one simple act of just skipping that one meal and giving your body that line, especially your pancreas, that period of time to heal and to take a break and to rest, it's powerful. And people, oh my gosh, you're starving yourself. I'm like, how are you starving yourself? You're still eating a couple more meals that day. Yeah. Um, And then of course, once you get into this, you tighten that window a little more, maybe let's try to eat within a four to six hour window. Exactly. And then maybe you're like, you know what? It's it's Friday. I'll just skip eating altogether today. I'll eat tomorrow, but then I'll I'll skip eating Sunday. So that's alternate day fasting. And then maybe you get the gumption of, Let's see how long my body will be resilient enough before I kind of need to eat. And for people like me in my situation, I found I can go a long period of time, which is so fascinatingly weird to me that I go from the guy that drank 16 cans of Coca-Cola and all this junk to now I can do 21 day fasts. Yes. I mean, it just, it boggles my mind to even think that it's the same body. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I always say fasting is like a muscle. You got to train it. Yes. So when you first get started, doing a low-carb approach is actually the best way to help your yes. body get more adapted That's into right. fasting. But like the first time you miss breakfast, you're emotionally going to miss it. And you may notice you growling in your belly. You don't miss breakfast. Right. Yeah. Because the name of the breakfast is <laughs> That's break. That's point. Fast. fast. See you to see so it later. When you in the have day. that first meal of the day, let's say that's it's your break fast. one, that's your breakfast. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> so you may just feel some weird experiences and right. just realize, hey, it's a weird experience. You'll get over it. You train your brain to know when food is coming. Yeah. That's why people eat breakfast right. snack, lunch snack, right. dinner snack, midnight snack, because they have forever and ever amen been told they have to eat at all those times exactly. and they've told their body, hey, dummy, I'm going to eat yep. at those times. So maybe your body's squirting some insulin at you right. at the time that you've Pavlovian told it yeah. you're about to eat. And so when you don't eat, of course you feel bad because exactly. your body is expecting that food. That's right. But yeah, over time that subsides. Yeah. And I tell people, it's kind of like breathing heavy when you exercise. Like if you never exercise and then you start exercising and you're breathing heavy, it's going to feel weird, Right. And it's kind of like that. It's kind of yeah. those hunger pains when you first start fasting. That's right. But over time, you just get more and more used to it. And then you're like, wow, I feel so good when I'm doing this. And the mental sharpness that comes about, right? And just the productivity that levels that you're able to have because your body starts producing these ketones, yep. right? It gets that insulin down, which produces the ketones. 
And then you just become, in a sense, as you're doing this regularly and linking the cause and effect, right? Linking the fact that you're fasting and feeling good with it, you start to become almost addicted to it. You're like, wow, this is just feels great. I want to continue with this. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or, you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly, gluten-free snack option. And that's why you need to know about Paleo Valley. They're 100% grass-fed beef and 100% pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor, but they are completely free of carbs and sugar. Such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go. I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them, and I know your family will too. So try them out today. And one of the criticisms I've heard about fasting <clears throat> is, oh, you're just starving yourself, and how can that be healthy to go yes. periods of time when when you're not eating, when you should be nourishing your body? And here's the here's the kicker too. Oh, well, you're such a ketogenic advocate. Isn't ketogenic good enough? And for most people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I would even say ketogenic is fed fasting. Right. That's kind of fasting, a way to think about mimicking it. diet. That's right. And so when you eat a ketogenic approach, it does the same kind of metabolic effects mm -hmm. in most people, non-insulin resistant people. Yep. Uh, they're going to get a lot of the same benefits that you would if you didn't eat at all. Yeah. Whereas people with insulin resistance like myself we have to add in the physical fasting element yes. to the keto and they go kind of hand in hand at that point. But it's not that keto failed, it's just that keto plus fasting for people with insulin resistance yes. is such a healer. Yeah, and you wrote this book, The Guide to Fasting, which is a fantastic book with Dr. Jason Fung. And I believe he works with diabetics, right? Oh yeah, uh, he's his, a kidney specialist. Yeah, kidney and specialist. So, his and main so he people. got really excited yes. about helping a lot of his patients had type two diabetes. Yes. Well, kidney disease didn't just pop up. Yep. It came as a result of the diabetes and the obesity and the insulin resistance. Probably All the most stressful thing on our kidneys is blood sugar imbalances. Yes. And so the kidneys just become massively damaged by insulin resistance and all the oxidative stress that plays a role with that. So when you're seeing people that are, you know, on dialysis or with kidney failure, most likely there's a blood sugar component to it. Mm -hmm. And so he was working with these people. Yes. Yep. And so, yeah, he's, he's been very vocal <clears throat> about trying to help diabetics. Yes. Um, and fasting has been the way. And, yep. and it's so interesting. He started as, as kind of low-carb keto, but then he thought, you know, it's 
easier, and this, this is so weird too, it's easier to get people to not eat than to try to give them some formula <laughs> of eat this yeah. way, have more fat. Oh my gosh, that's gonna cause heart disease. Oh, and so he had to like explain all this stuff with keto. Now he's just like, just don't eat. Right. Just don't eat for a yeah. period of time and you'll see results and exactly. it's worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is really what our ancestors did. I mean, they didn't always have access to food. So it's really an ancestral approach. They didn't call approach. it fasting. They called it- Yes. No food. Me need go yes. hunt again because me don't have food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> me get hungry, but I'm me not as hungry as I thought I would be. You know, and it's it's yep. it's amazing because people think, oh, well, you get hungry during the during your fasting period. Yeah, for a period of time, but like any pain in the body, and you know this, yep. you know you've seen this with people. They have chronic pain. Like I've got sciatica pain. Yeah, and I feel it throbbing every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But that first time I really felt it, it was just so intense. Now it's like, okay, I know it's there, yeah. but I kind of have been able to manage it. And it's the exactly. same way when you're fasting, your first time you do that, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. But if you ride it out a little bit, then you're like day three, four going, wow. Yep. I feel like <clears throat> I just ate and I haven't had anything in three, four days. Yeah, absolutely. And you've gone, what, like you said, 21 days? 21 days, three yeah. times now, yeah. Three times, exactly. And so for myself, I'm on the other end of the spectrum, like growing up. Yep. I was always the skinniest kid in class. We Couldn't hate you, by ever the way. put any weight on. <laughs> but I'll tell you, on the other end, right? People that are extremely thin. Yeah. Like I've lived my whole life trying to gain weight, trying to gain muscle, and so I mean, the idea of I can fasting. Show you how? <laughs> so, so the and even if I drank sixteen cokes a day, right? I would be skinny fat, right? Meaning that I would I would have no yeah. muscle, I'd have no energy. You'd be sick. I developed diabetes and cancer, right? But at the same time. I found that fasting was the best way for me to maintain my muscle mass and maintain the weight that I wanted. And when I was eating three meals a day, yeah. okay, I actually, my body started to atrophy a little bit. Wow. Because again, you know, it's different for different body types, but I got more catabolic. My body would break down. I wonder what role when you're fasting and, and the muscle preservation, we actually have really good studies yeah. about this. Uh, this guy named Ansi Meninen mm-hmm. did a really good study where he found the presence of ketones actually yes. is a muscle preserver. Exactly. So I'm wondering Stimulates if Stimulates blood leucine levels. Yes. 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 That branch chain amino acid. So I'm yes. wondering if it's the boost in the ketones that yes. comes. Because you'd get higher ketone levels quicker than someone like yes. me. Uh, when you fast, it probably would take less than 24 hours and yeah. you'd have a huge boost in yep. ketones. Whereas it takes me about three days to get that huge right. boost. Um, that that's why you have the muscle preservation. I believe so, yeah, I believe so. I believe what happens is research has shown that basically, yeah, when ketones go up, insulin drops down, that blood leucine goes up and leucine tells the body, preserve muscle mass, preserve lean body tissue. Why? Because you think about our, our ancestors, when there were times of famine, they needed to get stronger. They needed to do you know, more extreme activity in order to kill an animal or to somehow get the food that they needed. So it just to me, it makes perfect sense. You just made me think of a song. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucene. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I had to sing on a, on your show. Hey, man. why not? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Add it all in. So I'm to looking like at shake it up a little bit. The chickens back here. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your favorite. So we talked about fasting. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some of your favorite ketogenic foods. Okay. Bacon. 
bacon. Just kidding. Uh, That's what everybody gravitates to. Actually, my wife, Christine, loves bacon. Mm -hmm. And so we get that really thick cut bacon and she loves that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, um, I mean, I love it. I love all of it. I I think the ability to add fat, like real whole natural fats to your food, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's going to be such the revelation for people if they give keto a go. And as people are giving keto a go, it's become more mainstream now. I think as people add fat back, they'll miss sugar less. Yes. And see what happened was when they yanked all the fat out of all the foods Mm -hmm. in the 1980s, which I was a child of, and my mom bought in Mm -hmm. hook, line, and sinker to, they had to add in sugar to make it taste somewhat decent. And so now we're stuck with all these people that think they need sugar. They think they need that hit. What their body is actually trying to tell them, their brain is telling them, you actually need more fat. And so eat more fat. And I even tell people that now, they're like, oh, I'm so sugar addicted. You're not as sugar addicted as I was. I promise you, 760, right, Jibo? So <laughs> 760 grams just from the Coke. And so you're, uh, if you eat fat, you squelch that desire for the yes. carbs. Yep. And so it sounds weird, but take like a slice of like cheddar cheese, a little block of cheddar cheese and put some grass-fed butter on it and stick yeah. it in your mouth. So good. That's exactly. the carb craving. You got it. It really does. And it, it, people are like, well, no, I want, you know, whatever X carb is. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. Do that trick. And yeah. every person that's ever tried that trick has always gone, wow, I didn't have the hunger right. or the craving anymore. Yep. And yeah, that's the power of adding fat back in. So. I love all the fats and the foods that you can eat. And I think if people just did that one thing and with cutting the carbs, Mm -hmm. everybody and their mama would be doing this. And and healthy fats, avocados, grass-fed butter, coconut oil, coconut products. That's right. Right? Olives, olive oil. Yes. Yep. All that kind of stuff. And the fish oil. Eggs, like you were talking about. Yep. 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 So yeah, really. All the above. Absolutely. If you've never had it, it's expensive, but macadamia nut oil. Mm, yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> to put on salads. Unbelievable. Uh, if at a low heat, you cook with it a little bit. It's amazing. It's almost butterish. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Have you ever had macadamia nut oil? I have, yeah. It's yeah. really good. Has it's there really any good. fat you haven't had that you wish you've tried? Is um, that me interviewing him now? Yeah, good Sorry. question. Sorry, my my instincts think, have kicked in. I don't think there is. I think I've I've tried all of those. I mean, I'm a huge fan of grass fed butter, and you think about grass fed and butter. lard, of course. Yeah, and so gra- I mean, think about the grass fed butter. It's just so low, conjugated linoleic acid yeah. in there. So much fat soluble retinol. Yeah, you know, you hear about like getting vitamin A from vitamin carrots. A and K, yeah. Okay, but honestly, the vitamin A you get from a carrot. It's not very bioavailable, and your body's got to con- try to convert it over yeah. to retinol. Whereas grass-fed butter is so- not that carrots are bad necessarily, but that fat-soluble retinol you get in grass-fed butter or yes. pasture-raised eggs, like you've got right here, so vital. Cod liver oil or something yes. along those lines, right? Yes. So yeah, and you put butter, and it, it's like this idea of you know eating chicken and broccoli, right? That kind of the bodybuilder diet, this high-protein diet, which yes. so many people go on when they're trying to lose weight. It works when you're trying to cut. It does, but you're dealing with massive cravings. Yes. And so they would eat that for dinner, and then by, you know, at six o'clock, and by eight, nine o'clock, you're craving ice cream. Yes. They're white knuckling it at Ex- that point. Trying to do their best they can. Yes. Exactly. And so there's so many people that go on this sort of a diet because they read about it, and uh, they're just struggling with those cravings. Whereas if you were to take 
like half a stick of butter, or if you're a bigger person, even like a whole stick of butter, and add that, maybe cut the, the size of the chicken down in half. Yes. You know, have your broccoli, your vegetables, put that, melt that butter on yes. it with a little bit less chicken. You'll yep. be so satiated. Yes. You won't have the, the sugar cravings at night. Right. You'll wake up the next morning and be like, I don't really don't need breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You'll have that natural satiety and you'll right. feel great and your skin will feel better. I mean, yes. you got all that retinol, the omega-3s in there. And one thing we've missed, energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Out exactly. the wazoo. That's right. You know, I, I haven't eaten today at all. Yep. And yeah, me do I look like I'm lacking in energy and you don't yeah. look like and you're- And we're like, it's like midday. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so most people yeah. would be famished right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah, we're high energy, enjoying conversation yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. And and very lucid in the brain. Yeah. That's another thing about keto. Yes. That I told people if I never lost another pound, I would do it just for the brain health benefits. Yes. And it's like when I'm up there recording podcasts, mm-hmm. I love doing it in a fasted state. Yes. Because I feel so much more mm. engaged with that person yep. in conversation because the ketones are fueling the brain and yep. really, and my mood stable and it, it just really helps. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's huge. You know, I always tell people, you don't eat for energy. Right. You drink, we need water and we need electrolytes for energy. I mean, we're a nervous system. So we're, we're conducting electricity just like this place is right here. So our that's how we get energy. We eat for adaptation and recovery. You know what I mean? We yeah. need new raw material to create new cells. That's yep. why we need to eat in a sense, you know? And so basically you want more energy, fast. Stay hydrated, but make sure you're fasting well. And you did a 21 day fast, which is way longer than me. For me, you know, a long fast is a three day fast for me. Three days is good. Three days. Although if you make it to three days, Go a week, dude. <laughs> it's, it's easier like, at that. By point. the time you hit day three, it's like you're finally in the nirvana yeah. stage of it. Because day two sucked. Yeah. Day one might for people that aren't yet keto adapted. Day one's pretty easy for keto adapted people. Day two is the really sucky one. It sometimes bleeds into day three. But by the end of day three, mm. you're just finally getting the benefits. Right. I'm gonna challenge you. Do a one week fast. That's that's a good just, challenge. Just try it. Yeah. See how you do. Cause I guarantee. Four, five, six, you're going to go, well, dang, that didn't feel any different than three. Yeah. I'll tell you, even when I broke, when I break my fast at day, at day three, it's not because like, I feel like I need food because right. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm satiated. It's more of like this fear. I'm going to lose more weight. You know what I mean? And just get, and, and also I yeah. love exercise and things like that. So it's like, I just want to get back to my act, you know, higher level yes. of activity. That's really more so why I do it. So it's a lifestyle but, uh, thing. Yeah. So if I ever feel like I'm coming down with like a fever, it's like immediate fast. fast. That's all yeah. I do. You know yeah. what I mean? When I and get sick now, that's what yeah, I do. And it's the best thing. So And take exogenous ketones to kind of boost which, it even which more. Which will really help. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And so 21-day fast. And so you said you started feeling really good, right? And, and the people you're working with around day four or so, day three, about, day four. Yeah, about three, four is when it really kicks yep. in hard. Yep. Absolutely. And then on a, one that long, you do have periods where it kicks in. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. I've gone a long time without eating. Right. Like day eight or day 12. And so you just ride those waves. That's what Dr. Fung talked about when we wrote it in the book. You ride the wave. Mm -hmm. You you don't sweat it. You don't worry about it. You just know it's going to happen. Get some salt is such your friend when you're fasting. You need those electrolytes. And so the electrolytes, you can stick a little salt under your tongue sublingually and it just gets in your system and those hunger pangs go away. Yeah. Um, And drink plenty of water and stay hydrated salt and it makes it so much easier. Yep. Now I did, when I first started doing it, 
I I did some crutches. So I had mm-hmm. bone broth right. with the mm-hmm. salt. Uh, minimal calories, but still, it was calories. Yep. Um, and I did a little bit of kombucha, thinking I was going to compromise gut health. I since have learned, hey, this is pretty good for gut yeah. health, so I yep. don't really need that. <clears throat> um, and so you get rid of the crutches, but again, it's like the bicycle thing. It's like yeah. you get used to doing it, you build that muscle up, and and you get good at it. Yeah, exactly. And now it's nothing for me to fast a week. Absolutely. And you know, as a doctor, I get people all the time They've got advanced cancer or whatever it is. And they're like, what can I have no money? What can I do? Yeah. And I always say prayer and fasting, biblical, yes. right? It's yeah. like prayer and fasting doesn't Please cost Lord, you anything. Please, Lord, me through this week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you first start fasting, there's lots of prayer. Yes, lots of prayer. Exactly. And supplication, yes. Yes, yes. Now, I'm, I want to challenge you. Yeah. Have you tried doing high-intensity exercise fully fasted? Let's say like... 20, 24 hours fasted. I have, and yeah. I will tell you, it's rough on me. Yeah. Um, I find that I, like I'll go to flip that tire Yes. in a fully fasted state. And I know people talk about fasted exercise yeah. and I can do an intermittent fast mm-hmm. exercise yeah. of a lot less than 24. Yes. So let's say 14, 16 mm-hmm. hours yep. and, and then go exercise, but then have to eat right mm-hmm. after. I find for me, I black out if I start to get too intense, mm, too fast in a, in, a, in a fasted state. So if I go back there and try to flip that tire and I haven't eaten for 24 hours, I think about the third turn, I would just, mm. I'd be a little shaky. So Now, have you taken salts or anything? So I'm still tinkering yeah, with, okay, to figure what's it out. going on yeah. that's giving me Because you that. should have enough ketones. You would think the ketones would yeah. be boosted. <clears throat> um, I haven't tried it. Mm. It's a good point because most of my 21-day fasts, I don't overexert myself because yes. I'm trying to accomplish the exactly. fast. Exactly. And so I'm wondering if by day three, four, when those ketones do get a boost, yes. and I've measured blood ketones, yep. I know they go up double mm-hmm. on those days from yep. what they were. I, I haven't tried uh, exercising on those mm. days with the higher ketones. Yep. That would be an interesting experiment for me. Yeah, I would, I would challenge you to try that out. Because really, basically- This is the challenge show, by the way. Y- you know, him challenges, he's giving me that's challenges. That's right. That's right. It's the, way, it's the way we roll here. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I find this to really help people get over those weight loss challenges and get their insulin down. First, you got to go through the process of adapting into, you know, fasting and yeah. getting into ketosis, using fat for yes. fuel, right? So you got to go through a process it. there. Stop exactly. falling off the bicycle. Exactly. Right. And then what you do is you try to get your meals into kind of like this 20 hour or 20 hour fast you know, four to six hour eating window. Yes. And about an hour before you would break your fast, you do your workout, right? High intensity, okay? Not long, 20 minutes maybe. To really drain all the rest of the glycogen. Exactly. 20 minutes maybe. You'll do it fast. You got it. And then you 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 hydrate afterwards. Or, or the, you or I guess could, the hit where like sometimes I'll go out on the yeah. street here and you see that street and you're uphill, running sprints and I run sprints from yes. stop sign to stop sign. Good. It's intense. Exactly. But, That's exactly how I'd recommend <laughs> okay. it. Resistance training, high intensity resistance training where you're doing like a push exercise followed yeah. by a pull running sprints. You're really, your workout definitely shouldn't be over 30 minutes. More like 15 to 20 minute range, right? right? work hard in those they 15 to 20 minutes. They work very hard, exactly. You so you're huffing and puffing, yes. you got it. <laughs> and when you do it fully fasted, like I know for myself, it's almost like the longer that I fast, in, in a certain window, I would say within like a 24 hour window. So if I ate dinner at 6 p.m. 
and then I wait till like three or four o'clock in the afternoon the next day to work out, mm-hmm. I'm actually stronger and perform better than if I were to work out at like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning or earlier in the yeah. morning. I'm actually stronger. I adapt better. I get uh, more lean body tissue that I develop. Why do you not, think? I think it's that circulating leucine and the higher ketones in my system. Interesting. So that's what I'm thinking. So, so time your exercise yeah. around your hierarchy. Yeah. And we have technology now yes. that lets you prick your finger, lets you blow into a device. Exactly. I got one over there that you can yeah. blow into. Oh, the level, yeah. The level, and the level is, is awesome. a sponsor for, for this, they are. right? Yeah. Exactly, which Good. is a, a great system because I don't know about you, but like even though I'm a doctor and I look at blood work, I don't actually take blood and because uh, I'm classically trained as a chiropractor. And so when I, I freak out when I try, even try to do a blood frick, like I literally have passed out trying to give blood before. So I had, Wamp. so with the <laughs> breath ketone, so I tell people to get, take blood work, but I don't like, I personally freak out. Now I've given blood and I've done blood pricks, yeah. but it's hard for me. So, and, and my stress hormone goes up. For most people, it's not. So my stress hormone <sighs> itself goes Blow up. Blow and you prick. Yes. <sighs> that's a good strategy. Hurt. That that's a good strategy. So the level is nice because it's so non-invasive. You yeah. know what I mean? And you can do multiple like right. in a row, right? right? Which is great. But you're right. We want to be able to test our ketones. You have and to test. see where you're and at. Test with a reputable device. Yes. P strips are not reputable. I'm exactly. sorry. Those companies that sell those urine sticks, yes. they're just not reliable because the acetoacetate. Once you get good at making ketones. They convert into beta hydroxybutyrate, yeah. so the acetoacetate in the urine becomes that beta hydroxybutyrate. Beta hydroxybutyrate, easy for me to say, in the blood, yep. and then the acetone in the breath is kind of a proxy for that yep. beta hydroxybutyrate (BHB). We'll call it from now on. Yeah, um, and, and that's why I'm a fan of testing. Yes, um, the particularly blood, blood. especially. Yep. Just so you know, at least for a period yep. of time, you know, people are like, well, that's expensive, and there's less expensive ways to do it now, but it's not forever. It's yes. just to give you the trend. I did it every day, morning and night, during my N equals one of uh, keto that I wrote about in Keto Clarity, um, and then sometimes every hour on the hour. So I got pretty good at knowing, like I can pro- probably predict what my blood ketone level is like right now, just on feel, because I've yeah. done this so long. Of course, I'm fasted, so I'm probably about a one three right now, mm-hmm. and I know that. Yeah. And I'm good with that, and yeah. that's perfect. And that's it's a, it's a form we call basically biofeedback, right? Yeah. So you've got enough feedback by your uh, about your biology that basically you understand how it feels when you're in certain metabolic states, yes. and that's pretty much what you've done there. And the urine test is good for just understanding if your body's producing ketones, for the but first it doesn't tell weeks. you exactly. It doesn't tell you how your body's actually utilizing right. ketones. It's the excretion exactly. of the ketones, which is good when you first start. And uh, is there any keto anything happening inside right. the body? It'll tell you, all right, yeah, you're peeing them out exactly. of your body. But then eventually you want to see them disappear in the urine. That's right. Ostensibly. You should be using them. And be used in the body, uh, the BHB. Yeah, so important. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, man, we're really nerdy in this. This is good. I well, like this. Yeah, this is I'm nerdy, more, but relatable. Exactly. And we're trying to kind of go through a lot of the common questions that yeah. people have. What else know? they got? What, what are other well, common ones? You know, let's let's talk about, you know, let's go back to cholesterol. So my favorite topic. And in general, just cardiovascular markers. Yeah. Okay. There was a study came out, I think it's the Annals of Internal Medicine 2014. They took a group of people, put them on a low carb diet, group of people that they put them on a uh, low fat diet. Yeah. Right. 
and they found that the Who people the that were on the low-fat diet, I don't remember the researcher, but uh, an send that over to you, internal Annals medicine. of Internal Medicine, and they found, so equal amount of people, I think it was like 60 people in the uh, low uh, fat group yeah. and then 59 people in the low carb group. Okay. They didn't necessarily say ketogenic diet, they just right. said low carb, di- low carb group. They rarely do in research yeah. circles. It's always low carb or exactly. they call it ketogenic. It's no form of keto I would yes. ever do. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And they found that the low carb group basically outperformed the low fat group when it came to uh, HSCRP, which right. we've talked the about, inflammation right? Marker. Inflammation marker, uh, better triglyceride scores, HDL, right. LDL ratio, you know, all of those ratios improved. But, but not the LDL it, or the total. Right. And of course, the conclusion that. was basically this needs more research, you know, or, in a sense. Here's the conclusion they sometimes come up with they'll say, well, it's just as good to do either one. Right. Like, no, there's massively different biochemistry happening within the body yeah. when you go on a low carb diet. And again, their low carb is like 40% of your calories. They yeah. consider that low carb. Right. If I ate 40% of my calories as carbs, I would be over 400 pounds yeah. on prescription meds again. Yes. And so I, I think those studies are flawed because they put language in there that then confuses mm. the general public that's yep. trying to make sense of this yep. stuff. And of course the headlines, oh, low carb diet. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's like, yeah. n- no, that's not yeah. even close to what, as a low-carb advocate, I would ever tell people to do. If you can eat that and be low-carb and ketogenic with that level of carbs, more power to you, but you're right. in the very rare exception. Exactly. I don't think Michael Phelps could eat that many and yeah, still I know, maintain right. ketosis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's been a, a lot of documentaries that have come out recently, too, that really are, are strongly advocating a higher-carb low-fat diet and kind of vilifying the ketogenic approach. And so like- What the health. What the health. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the vegan propaganda film, one yes. of them. Absolutely. And so what are some of the issues that you've seen with uh, the research that they're citing in these? The problem with their research is it's selective. Yeah. Because it's one thing to cite research that supports what you believe. Yeah. And I try hard in my world, hey, I want to see all the evidence. Mm-hmm. And so- when you, and in a court of law, they always say, tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yep. We're getting the truth from these propaganda films, but we're not getting the whole truth from them. Yep. Because there's so much, there's a body of evidence, and there's a lot more coming. I just heard from a researcher just yesterday that said, our research is about to come out. We want to talk about it. We want you to mm. know it's coming. So it's coming real soon. Yeah. A big, big paper. Mm. Been waiting for years to get yeah. this one. So, shh. Exclusive. But um, so that kind of stuff, they're not talking about those in those films. And so they want to, and plus the other thing that really gets my goat, we wrote about this in Keto Clarity as well. The type of research matters. You know, if I was a mouse, then okay, a lot of that research on the mice studies would matter. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm not Mighty Mouse. Here we come to save the day. No, I'm not Mighty Mouse. I'm a human being. And so I want to see a randomized controlled clinical trial and not even like an epidemiological study where they look at all these previous studies and then extrapolate data from those studies, uh, the the cohort studies and things like that. Those don't mean as much as a randomized controlled clinical trial. And it's very expensive to do Mm -hmm. those. And it's uh, the whole double blind and putting one group on this in a metabolic ward and another group on this in another metabolic ward. But those are the ones that really tell you anything of consequence. Um, And so 
I'm just not a fan of the way the research world has treated low carb because they're not showing the whole picture. And especially in these propaganda yeah. films like What the Health, which I did a whole rebuttal to on Keto Talk. Yeah, um, I listened to that, which was excellent. Yeah, yeah. and so, and I had to... <sighs> I had to watch that film like eight times yeah. to get all that information. I'm like, wow, how many times can you lie in one documentary? Yeah. yeah. But they did. Uh, half truths, I, I should say. Yeah. But half truth to me is a lie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about rat studies, I mean, there's a lot of rat studies out there that show a lot of efficacy and dramatic changes using a ketogenic diet. Right? And, and I would tremendous even... Tremendous amount of studies coming to, out. To stay consistent in my position, I would even say that those don't mean anything, mm -hmm. but they, they give us a good hypothesis by right. which we can do the randomized controlled clinical yep. trials. Well, we've seen it replicable yeah. many times in my studies. Let's do animal studies and the, uh, bigger animal studies closer to human uh, beings. Uh, was it pig is pretty close to mm -hmm. human and then try it in humans. Yep. Because if you're getting replicable results in the animal studies, that's the time to try it in a randomized control clinical setting for humans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, this has been a tremendous interview. I feel I mean, like we I've, just started talking. It's I like know. we've been jibber jabbering how long? Well, we could just go on and on and on. We're in the man hey, we're cave. We're hanging out here. in the cave, man. Exactly. That's Let's right. Make I'm... you root for the Cowboys, you Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> He's Cowboys. I'm Giants. We're in the same division. Yes, exactly. So we go head to head a little bit with that. But uh, that's right. But, Jimmy, this has been such a privilege and an honor to have you on here. And Thank you. If you weren't familiar with Jimmy before this interview, I mean, he is really a pioneer. Um, in this whole idea, in this whole idea of ketosis, low-carb diet has really got it out to uh, to the mainstream public in a great way. And so, Jimmy, how do people... You I tell know, people I was keto when keto wasn't cool. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So I, I first even came across the word in 2011. Yep. I was already doing a low-carb diet. Yep. I called it the healing diet. Yes. Right? It is a healing which, which diet. It is That's a healing good. diet and it now heals the cells at the cellular level. And I started reading about ketogenic diet and this and that. And, uh, you know, started jumping on that and started using it with people and seeing great results. And as I was researching and whatnot, I found Jimmy and his podcast and whatnot. How do people find out more about you and get access to some of the great books that you have? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Mm. Um, LiveinLaVitaLowCarb.com yep. yep. is the website. But if you just Google... Jimmy Moore, like the first two whole pages is all my stuff. Yeah. Uh, all my books are available wherever books are mm -hmm. sold. Amazon, of course. Um, the Cholesterol Clarity, yes. Keto Clarity, and Complete Guide to Fasting. Mm -hmm. I actually did the Audible audiobook. When you're a podcaster, oh, yeah. people want to hear your voice. <laughs> Right. As if this voice isn't obnoxious enough on my podcast. <laughs> now you get to hear Moment of Clarity quote, Dr. David Perlmutter. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, wherever books are sold, Barnes & Noble, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. So, and I got three new it's books awesome. coming in the next year. Oh, excellent. So just, I'm staying busy. Great. Love it. Love it. And so if you have more questions about cholesterol, how it works, low carb, you know, low fat, say whatever the, it say is. Say the uh, subtitle. Cholesterol Clarity. What the HDL is wrong with my numbers. <laughs> that was my good. first book with Victory Belt Publishing, and it was a guy at my church. Yeah. I was telling him I was writing this book about cholesterol. He said, yeah, what the HDL is wrong with my numbers? And I went, that is perfect. <laughs> That's well, what was funny exactly. was my publisher was like, oh, it's too flippant. It should be a serious book. I was a brand new author with them and hadn't written a book yet. And I'm like, you don't know my writing style yet. I'm yep. very, I try to be fun, funny, 
engaging, entertaining, what the HDLs wrong with my numbers makes sense. And I'm like, read the manuscript. They read it and went, yeah, that's our subtitle. So it was- Yeah, and it fits your personality. Yes, exactly, that's right. Exactly, and we actually have uh, Jack, Dr. Jack Wolfson, yep, a paleocardiologist. Jack. Yep, love He's Jack. got a chapter in his books. So we have him in the summit, and he has got a chapter in his book that I, I talked to him about. It's why why LDL is not the boogeyman. Yes, right? that's, that's a chapter. Right. So another great book here, The Guide to Fasting as well. So Dr. Jason Fung, who uses fasting in a clinical setting where he's testing all the biomarkers and things like that. And, you know, this book, you really help teach people, don't be afraid to fast, you know? Demystifying yeah, exactly. fasting. It's, in, in there, I call it the other mm-hmm. F word, but I've learned to grow to love that F word. Yes, exactly. Because really at first, when he first started, it was it an is F, word F word when it first started. It really was an F word. <laughs> exactly. And then this one, Keto Clarity, that you wrote with Eric Westman. Oh, that's Eric my baby. Westman. In yep. fact, grab that book right there and chunk it to yeah. me on camera here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just chunk it. Great Just book got right here. translated into Chinese. Oh, nice. So, so we're getting the into the Chinese book. market. And so the billions of people that live there. Exactly. Exactly. No, so. I know there are big rice eaters out there. Yeah. We're big bread eaters here. You know, right? it's interesting so. that everybody's like, oh, they eat lots of rice. But think about <laughs> it. It's, it's just kind of an afterthought. It's right. not the main portion of right. the dish. Right. And I think a lot of that is just more cultural didn't anything. Well, everybody ate rice, and it was probably at a time when economic uh, situation was worse. Yeah. So you know the whole Asian rice thing—it just never made sense to me because they're a lot better off now. Yeah. Now culturally, they could probably still eat rice. They're probably not, you know, living in the southern mm-hmm. United States and yeah. growing up with ding dongs and ho hos right. and Coca Cola and yeah, uh, moon pie and RC Cola as we say yeah, here in the exactly. south. You know, so. Um, they don't have that metabolic damage. So maybe a little rice is okay yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially if you incorporate intermittent fasting into it, yes. which culturally, almost every culture has fasting kind of built in That's through right. their ritual, whether it's religious yep. or just cultural, there's fasting built in. So if you tie in fasting with periods of time where you're having more carbs, um, you know, it just works well. So you kind of are able to cycle in and out of ketosis Based on, yeah, exactly. And just built into your structure, which is key. And then finally, right here, we've got the ketogenic cookbook because everybody asks, well, now that I'm going on the ketogenic diet, what do I eat, right? And so obviously you were getting that question and created this awesome cookbook. Thank you. Yeah, there was a funny funny story behind how that book came about. So Cholesterol Clarity came out in 2013 Mm -hmm. and because they were like, what do you want to write about before I, I say yeah. anything? I said, ketogenic diets. This is 2012, yeah. about a year after you started mm-hmm. listening to me. Um, and so 2012, and I was like, keto. And they're like, eh, it's kind of a niche of a niche. Nobody really cares about that. So cholesterol clarity uh, came about because they were like, eh, keto is kind of a niche of a niche. What else you got? And I'm like, well, you're wrong. Uh, but how about the cholesterol? And so that's how cholesterol came out. And so it came out, did pretty well. And I said, can I please write the keto book? I think it's going to be bigger than you think. Now, this was 2013. And I, okay, but we still don't think it's going to do very well. In the first week it came out, it outsold Cholesterol Clarity in one week that Cholesterol Clarity had done the whole year. Wow. 
Needless to wow. say, they became fans of ketogenic yeah, diets. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of started a lot of this keto buzz yep, that we're having yep. now. So they wanted a cookbook. And I'm like, well, Dr. Westman burns water. So uh, he's not a good co-author <laughs> for a cookbook. Yeah. So I went and found Maria Emmerich, who is yep. an amazing mm-hmm. cookbook author. And now she's gone on after this one became an international bestseller, gone on and done like four, mm-hmm. five, six more with yep. Victor Belt. And I guess she'll keep writing books for the rest of her life yeah. with them yep. as long as people are interested. But, uh, but it was kind of an interesting story about how all this came about because yes. they weren't fans of keto. <clears throat> right. Now they're considered Victor Belt the the keto publisher. Mm, they're gotcha. doing all the big keto yep. books and uh, two new keto books from me in the next six months. So awesome. it's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for getting this great content out and really help educate people on, you know, you don't have to be afraid of low carb, uh, fasting, you know, these types of strategies. And you're just consistently putting out this content on your podcast, which are excellent podcasts I listen to personally. Thank you. And so I just want to thank you for, you know, like you were saying, hey, you've got a degree in public policy for really helping to start that wave and shift uh, when it comes to healthcare policy. And to me, it's about passion. I mean, I tell people the moment I lose the passion for this is the moment I stop. Yeah. Not stop keto, but stop kind of being a proponent and out there vocally. uh, And even in the midst of struggle Mm -hmm. of all this, I stay just as passionate because I think the message is bigger than any one person. Yes. There's no one person that, oh, this is going to turn on. You know, it kind of did with Atkins. When he died, a lot of that low-carb research just kind of went by the wayside for a few years. And I see keto now is so much stronger because it's not predicated on any one person. If I was to Mm -hmm. go away, it would still carry on. If Dr. Westman was to go away, it would still carry on. Same with Jason Fung. We're we're leaders in it, yes. But we're not. The movement isn't predicated on us, any one individual, exactly. And exactly. so, and and I think what what you're doing with this summit, yep. and the work that you're trying to do to get it out there, we're all working together, and we're going to see a lot more people That's come right. on board. Also, in the midst of that, we have to be careful of the shysters that are coming in just to sure. make money from this. Yes. So, it's why I try to remain like vigilant. Of okay, here's the real deal. Here here are people that you yep. can trust. Here are people eh, you probably should stay away from. Absolutely. Well, I want to acknowledge you for, again, being a pioneer and a leader in this and sharing your story and inspiring, I mean, literally at this point, millions um, all around the world to make this step Even and in change their lifestyle <laughs> in China, now getting the message out into China. Yes. Absolutely. You know, we actually have... Uh, another best-selling author in Japan who wrote a ketogenic book, Very Dr. Nice. Isaac Jones, in this. That's cool. So yeah, so we're 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 making it worldwide. Yes. And uh, thank you for being a wonderful guest, having an awesome conversation thank with you, you. And inviting us into the man cave. You can hang here. out in my cave anytime you want. That's right. That's right. Well, t- keto talk, fasting talk, eat ketogenic foods. You know, that's what it's all about. And so, um, you know, if you're the listener, are getting value out of this interview, then I want to encourage you to consider owning the entire Keto Edge Summit for yourself. So that way you'll have all the bonuses, transcripts, videos, everything you need to really go through this ketogenic journey the right way. Um, If you do that, we would be so honored and we will see you in a future interview. Bye guys. Well, that's all for this show. And I wanna thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on, or you wanna dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.